Welcome back to Joker Men. Today we're doing something a little uh, strange. We're going back in time. Back in time, and also forward in time, just like just like Bob did, actually, uh, proceeding forward from Blood on the Tracks by uh, returning to the past several years uh, prior. What what do we mean? What are we talking about? We're talking about we're, t- <laughs> we're talking about uh, the basement tapes, which came out in 1975, but which was recorded in 1967 with the band. And uh, this is this is a classic album that we all love. Is that fair to say? I don't know. It is. It is a classic album. I don't know. I don't know if we all love it necessarily, um, but plenty of people do love it, and certainly at the time that it came out, it was it was widely beloved. I think a lot of people actually, and this came out a couple months after Blood on the Tracks, I think like May, June, 75, something like that, and Blood on the Tracks was January. I think a lot of people thought this was a better record, uh, you know, w- w- when it initially came out at least. At the time? At the time, yeah. Maybe it just felt more in, in line with the, the vibe of the day than uh, than a record like Blood on the Tracks, which is very specific. And what you, what you have on the basement tapes is it is not specific. This is this is kind of just uh, grooving. It's jams. It's chugling. It's country. It's uh, traditional esque music. Yeah, 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 rootsy, definitely bluesy, uh, Americana y. Yeah, definitely not, definitely not of the. Well, I mean, it wasn't of the moment with the cutting edge of rock and roll in '67. That's for sure. Uh, and then when it came out in '75, it really was not uh, on the cutting edge, um, which isn't a problem necessarily. But it is. It, it, it's sort of like a, a record trapped in amber and uh, tra- transported to the future, like a fossil. That's right. To be reanimated like Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. Except instead of a T Rex or a Velociraptor, you're reanimating a um, banjo or something. A banjo and some songs about uh, you know apple trees and rivers. Yeah, there, there's no. Is there banjo on this? I don't really think there probably is. There's banjo. probably a I, banjo at some point, but uh, I would I would be surprised if there weren't. It's funny you mentioned that this wasn't uh, 67 appropriate because I kind of think that if it had come out in 67, people would have jammed and vibed to it because you had mm. you had groups like, you know, Country Joe and the Fish and you had uh, the Grateful Dead and, you know, who started as a jug band. There, there was a resurgence of kind of this bluesy, rootsy Americana uh, energy that was coming up and and became hip again because what happens uh, when you listen to that kind of music on acid was uh, the question <laughs> on everybody's mind. <laughs> it's uh, a real rep- a revolutionary approach. People just like heard a song like Apple Suckling Tree taking mescaline and they're like, "Whoa, this is actually very deep music." <laughs> it's just- Somehow, somehow he has more to say on Apple Suckling Tree than um, Desolation Row or Bob's most important song, Apple Suckling yeah, Tree. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, let's let's be 
uh, let's be honest here. Let's lay our cards out on the table. At least I'll, I will say that I feel kind of unprepared for this one. I don't, there's so much, uh, to talk about with this album and yet so little, um, to it's, it's really for diehard fans to, if you're looking to this episode for like a deep dive into the arcana and the mysteries of the basement tapes, I'm sorry to disappoint you because I'm simply not going to listen to a hundred different tracks, um, (laughs) which 150 or so apparently exist or were recorded. Uh, we, as usual, as, as is our kind of, um, excuse slash, um, artistic choice on this podcast is to just listen to the album that came out to the public and, uh, talk about if, how it is. That's, that's the idea. Yeah. Just, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever they put out, that's what we're approaching and that's what you'll get to hear us natter on about for uh i guess uh maybe four hours tonight instead of <laughs> only just three like we did for blood on the tracks uh yeah but uh we we did have kind of an interesting conceit for um uh, a novel approach to to doing this album uh which yes. was uh a gimmick uh actually if you will which which is going to be the the definitive jokerman podcast ranking of the uh all the tracks on the basement tapes. We, we also, uh, it, it occurs to me, I don't know if we gave a star ranking in a while. I, I'm real. I realized that the other time, uh, I think it was just, time. it was just a general assumption that, uh, blood on the tracks was going to be a three star from us. But I, before we get into, um, the basement tapes, I, I, I was wondering if you have, given that there's been a little bit of space between our discussion of it and now, uh, have you had any extra lingering thoughts about Blood on the Tracks? And, like, is is that a record that doing this uh, discussion and doing this, this podcast has sort of made you rethink in any way? Um, I don't... I I I'd like to say yes, I think, but like uh, blood on the tracks is like so deeply stenciled into my brain and my my soul. Like I don't know I don't know that there is a whole lot of rethinking that I can even do about it at this point. Um I I have enjoyed talking about it So more so you're saying that every one of those words rang true and glowed like burning coal? Yes, pouring off of every page like it was written in my soul. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, like I don't, I don't know that there's like a whole lot more for me to mine from that record. Um, the way that there is from a lot of other Dylan records, uh, certainly ones that we're going to get to in the future, um, we're just kind of about to, uh, just about to set off into what is relatively, uh, you know, as far as Bob Dylan albums can be considered, the great unknown, right? Like the Wilds. Uh, the late 70s, uh, really the entire stretch in the 80s of stuff that is not critically acclaimed that contains tons and tons of incredible songs and some of his best material, but, um, you know, uh, stuff that you and I and uh, and our wide listenership may not be quite as familiar with as Tangled Up in Blue and Idiot Win and all the tracks we love. Right. So you're, you're in short, Blood on the Tracks is still for you a three-star 
three out of three. Still a three, still a three star for me. But do you uh, do you have a uh, contrarian take to, I, to offer? You know, I kind of do. Uh, while while it seems really obvious in some way to me that it's a kind of a, it's a great record, um, I I can't escape this lingering feeling that there's something about it that feels a little bit unsatisfying. Uh, or canned in this way that's like strange to me. I can't really explain it um, because that record is so, uh, by all accounts, spontaneous. Uh, everything about it was was done in this very uh, seat of his pants, emotional uh, thrust sort of style. But um, maybe what I'm feeling is sort of what Joni Mitchell, for example, thought thought of as that record being a cop-out when it was re-recorded. Um, mm. Maybe there is just something that feels somehow off about the, the fact that there's like a, a two albums, basically, Frankenstein together, the New York and the Minneapolis sessions. And, uh, you know, I guess this is what people making records a lot of them in the back of their mind if you really care about what you're doing are you're worried about stuff like this like well is is changing the vibe going to translate is that going to be noticeable on tape um and sometimes i think the answer is yes so i'm going to i have to give it just i guess two stars wow two out of three wow like with a lot of weird reservation. Well, that's that's the that's the beauty and the uh, fatal flaw of the three star system is you don't get any reservations. It's just one star or two stars or three stars. That's it. Yeah, it means that I have to be bold. I have to actually own up to this feeling I have that something about that record leaves me feeling um, a little bit empty inside. And the genius of this three star system is that. That feeling I have, that regret, that uh, that feeling of maybe there, this was a wrong move, um, giving it two stars instead of three, is that not the feeling that this that Blood on the Tracks uh, wants to embody anyway? That's that's a good point. Am I not yeah. am I not accidentally uh, feeling more of what that record has to offer by uh, giving it two instead of three out of three stars. So the universe is a beautiful place uh, is what I'm trying to say. It's, you know, the God works in mysterious ways, the good Lord. And um, we've spoken about God before on this podcast. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's a character that doesn't really come up on the basement tapes, but I feel that, by the end of all this, and probably well after we've recorded this podcast, I'll have my actual thoughts on the basement tapes. Um, but <laughs> for for all for the, for today, we're just gonna do idiots' thoughts on the basement tapes, and I'm I have plenty of those. Yeah, me too. That's that's kind of the virtue of this uh, sort of slapdash operation. Is we're uh, we're proudly ignorant and um uh unresearched and off the cuff so i i i wouldn't want to be any 
more well prepared for the basement tapes because Lord knows that Bob and the band were not particularly well prepared for the recording of them. I guess before we get into our our gimmick, our ranking of the album, it might make sense to just offer some brief thoughts about the entire package as a, as a cohesive um, unit, or you know, or not as a cohesive unit, as it were. Um, you said like you you're not particularly well prepared, and like you don't have a lot to say about it, and you'll have m- more thoughts in the future. I don't know that there is a whole lot to think about it, to be honest. It seems like it is, like there's not there's not much beneath the surface there. Um, it is, it is what it is, and it is only that. And if that's what you're into, if that's what you're after, that's great. You know, you're happy. But I, I would I would say there isn't quite as much to to mine out and uh, really kind of dig into uh, with a record like this. But you might feel differently. I think that. The context of the record is, of course, interesting. And, uh, uh, yeah, probably inescapably more interesting than the lyrics themselves, which which you could actually fold into part of the whole context. I mean, that's... Let, let's just uh, get, get on with the, the broad strokes here. So this record was done... After the famous motorcycle crash incident, which left Bob uh, to be bedridden, uh, ostensibly, pondering his life. Who am I? What am I doing? And uh, he has kids. He's, he's out in Woodstock. And uh, these tapes are, are sort of a, a combination of two things. They're the band or the Hawks at the time sort of coming into their own as songwriters. It's an exercise to bring that about. And it's simultaneously an exercise that brings about Bob's own return to original songwriting. It's a limbering up and an exploration. And, uh, so what you hear on, on, this very in this very very prolific period of Dylan's career is uh this isn't his career this is actually like off the record kind of stuff that was only yeah. folded in later to be part of the career and so yeah what's special about it is that you are hearing something that is kind of pseudo this pseudo that um it is clear that the record was recorded with some care it sounds good and the ones that sound uh there are ones that sound more polished than others um so i think they it's it's clear that they had set up things to be uh at the ready in case some gold happened and i think you what you probably have here from what i've read which is not exhaustive but um, it seems you have, you know, Robbie Robertson in the band, as anybody would be excited at the possibility, you know, you're hanging out for this, like, extended period with Dylan, and you're going to jam. What what do you do? You set up, and you uh, hope that some, some things end up uh, sounding good, and that you catch them. And uh, Bob, I think it seems he was interested in 
humoring that at least and then at some point it became sort of um, a useful vehicle for him to reassess his place in and his relationship to his own muse right right yeah it was uh i mean the a lot of the recordings are i don't know about a lot but some of the recordings at least had made their way out there relatively soon after the album or the, the tracks were initially recorded as the great white wonder uh bootleg uh in like 68 69 or something like that so a lot of the dylan heads like had heard this shit or some of it and everyone was was very aware that these recordings existed even though they hadn't been officially released and it seems like 75 it seems like sort of an arbitrary time for dylan to decide like oh it's time to put this record out eight years after it was initially recorded but you know, kind of fits into this this arc. I'm making a judgment on the Zoom call that uh, Evan can see, but no one else can. Uh, I'm pointing do- upwards. Yeah, you're doing a gesture that looks like a Heil Hitler. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, not like that at all. Not yeah, not like that. This is a this is a, a pro uh, 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 pro Jewish pro Israel podcast, as has been made no, clear on a, previous it's a, no, episodes. No, 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 no. It's not that. <laughs> it's not a pro Israel. Po- you you can't be one without the other other heaven. Uh, um, you're not Jewish, so. Uh, well, neither are uh, Israel's greatest supporters, the evangelicals. That's true. Anyways, um, it, this this album seems to kind of fit in to uh, this arc that we've noted over the last couple episodes, where Bob is is kind of trying to recenter himself in the in the spotlight and and uh, take control of his legacy and his artistic career once again from. Uh, before the flood, when he's going on his greatest hits tour, to Planet Waves, which is kind of a, you know, a, a tossed off warm up back to recording um, uh, exercise that he and the band put out, and then Blood on the Tracks, obviously, which is a critical triumph. Now he's he's uh, opening up the vaults for the first time and allowing everyone to peek into some of the brilliant tracks that never saw the light of day, and really trying to reclaim his status as, like, you know, Bob Dylan in capital letters. I wonder if, if him deciding to release the Basement Tapes at this point is kind of a uh, something he decided... First of all, you know, the band has already released music from uh, Big Pink at this point. Songs right. from Big Pink. Yes, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, I forget when that was, but yeah, it was several years before this. Uh, and so they've... Re- they've uh, actually had some time to develop uh, as a band and as well as the band and uh, people like them and they they're churning out some good songs and they have their own sort of mystique around them and so I, I do wonder if Bob sort of was if he ever would have thought to release this if that hadn't been the case I, I kind of imagine that the fact that we have the basement tapes, uh, the Bob Dylan release is largely due to the fact that the band were able to become successful. And, uh, it's sort of like a a synthesis or a circular thing there, a symbiotic relationship where like part of the reason the band was successful is because of these sessions and this, uh, what, what the basement tapes documents. It, It shows, this really crucial period, probably more more crucial for the band, arguably, than for Bob, um, career-wise, where 
I mean, imagine being this fledgling group who is backing Bob, and then you have this time where you are actually making originals with him, even if they're lesser songs to someone like Bob, that's going to impart some kind of energy and um, spirit and creative vitality to your group uh, if you're not a fucking idiot. And uh, <laughs> apparently uh, the the band was not fucking idiots. And um, you hear them kind of develop on these tracks, on the basement tapes, and then you actually hear them, uh, if you listen to their uh, subsequent releases, you hear some of that same... Uh, inspiration like it, it's there's a pretty clear f- clear through line um between the best moments of the basement tapes and like the best moments of post basement band yeah um i think it also does serve as like sort of a a good like it it, it the the recording like at the these songs as an exercise at least were important for bob to kind of break out of or move beyond like the corner he had painted himself into with um highway 61 and blonde on blonde like there wasn't any further he could really take that that image that sound that that project um blonde on blonde was really kind of the you know the apotheosis of the whole thing that was that was as good or as complete a vision as you were ever going to get with that so like the only way out of that um like trap he had set for himself was just to completely go in the opposite direction which is what he ended up doing with John Wesley Harding, uh, Nashville Skyline, self-portrait, and things like that. But in order to get from Blonde on Blonde to there, um, I think this this is kind of how he how he made his way there yeah. um, by just kind of um, casually tossing off these demos that weren't supposed to ever see the light of day in the first place. So they 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 serve a good purpose. Like the, I'm I'm very glad they exist and that he had the opportunity to do this because this got us from where he was to where he would go. But as uh, you know, as a, as a coherent like recorded article that I listened to on my own time instead of any other Bob uh, album, you know, it, it uh, it's, it's a, it falls a little short for me in that, in that regard. Sure. But I, I also think that this is a record that you have to approach with a little bit of, um, uh, a DJ's ear or so, uh, you, sure. like if you're at the right, if you're in the right situation, um, when we can have parties again, um, eventually someday, you could play the basement tapes and everyone will have forgotten what it was like to listen to music at a party. They'll be so grateful to be in a room with other people that they'll go, this is so good. Yeah. We can, we can put on, don't you tell Henry and, uh, <laughs> and people are just going to be wild out. But, uh, in, in all deep seriousness, uh, <laughs> this, uh, this record does have, uh, a certain convivial, uh, fun, chill it's it's a great album if you have low standards for like getting your mind blown it's a it's a good album to to put on while uh you make uh meatloaf with your dad <laughs> this is you mentioned um uh, all the all the dads like to play uh music or are trying to shoot for the sound of the band That's right, uh, yeah. in their in their cool dad cover bands on the weekends this is this is exactly what they're all uh, this is this is the vibe that I think they're recreating when they're all hanging out in you know um, Eric's garage on the weekend, like cracking uh, IPAs and like fiddling on the bass and just jamming while uh, while the old ball and chain is is in the kitchen drinking herself uh, um, to sleep. 
Well, um, uh, you're yes, but uh, <laughs> that's that's not to its detriment. Um, you know, this is a no. This is a record where it really helps if you embrace that that dad rock aesthetic. And you could argue that this is the first instance of dad rock on a commercial right. s- uh, stage. One could argue yeah. that this is the birth one could. of what we now know as dad rock and possibly one of the purer expressions of it because it was uh, not even intended in its official inception, uh, in its official conception, to be a, a commercial release. You're, you're hearing uncut. Uh, literally, some of these men were fathers uh, at the time. <laughs> Bob was. Uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone in the band was, but Bob had. Uh, I think Bob had. Look, two kids you only need one dad to be dad. That's rock. true. That's there true. There only has to be one man who has uh, planted his seed uh, to be a father what a, rocking. What a way to put it. Um, um, and uh, so the, another interesting thing to note about that. Uh, that aspect of, of these recordings is that Bob Dylan is someone who in all of his uh, subsequent attempts at, at recording has tried to replicate this sort of vibe and this feel um, in the, uh, in the book, the recording sessions of uh, Bob Dylan by Clinton Halen. Uh, I quote in a sense, all of his best post-basement recordings have attempted such informality. Dylan himself would later tell, is it Jan Wenner? I think it's Jan. Jan Wenner. Jan Wenner, it's really the way to do a recording in a peaceful, relaxed setting in somebody's basement with the windows open and a dog lying on the floor. That was my Bob saying that. That's that's pretty good. Uh, you uh, you know, if, if Chalamet ends up biting the dust... Um, from COVID, you could uh, you could you could step in to replace him. I'm not ready to talk about that. Well, the trailer is supposed to be coming in the next couple of weeks or so. So, oh, I don't know. It makes me sweat to think about, uh, and and like not in like a tiger beat uh, way. Like <laughs> I, I'm sweating out of just like sheer panic that like this. Do is you think an official? Do you think he's gonna? S- do you think he's gonna sing? Yeah, of course. This is his uh, "Walk the Line" or whatever the Johnny Cash movie was called. Yeah, but uh, Joaquin is cool, and he could actually sing. Yeah. Look, this is Bob Dylan sanctioned uh, official movie. Like, <sighs> we have to live it with the knowledge that Timothy Chalamet has met Bob Dylan. How, do you think they do you think absolutely met? i think they've not met. just over like a zoom or something it may have been over a zoom but it, that's not the only bob dylan movie that's going to be at our gates uh, allegedly uh there is actually a one i'm more excited about um is there yeah did you do you not know that there's a blood on the tracks movie happening Oh, that's right. Yeah, we talked about this Luca Guadagino uh, adaptation of it or whatever. Right, which is going to be uh, has a lot more chance, I think, to be uh, a good movie. I really am not um, enthused by the title of the Timothy Chalamet joint called uh, it's called Going Electric, which just makes sure me is. groan. 
going away like like am i supposed to be reading into that like like calling a movie across the universe like oh it's like going electric like we are all made of stardust type of uh I bet there's going to be a line where like he's like backstage at at Newport um before he before he uh goes electric and he's he says to someone you know what I'm about to be going electric. Yeah. And then everyone in the audience can say they can point at the screen and say that's that's the name of the movie going electric. What what would Timothy sound like as Bob? Let's let's see. I'm going electric. I'm going electric. That's that's pretty good. I don't know. It's got I'm a just... bit of like a surfer vibe to it. Uh, uh, yeah. It's also directed, I think, by the guy who directed the Ford and Ferrari movie from, from last year. From the guys who brought you Ford and Ferrari. Which is... Well, that was a movie that was really made for dads. And right, yeah. This fits right in with that. And this is a movie made for, for, for moms, for MILFs. Yeah, I don't really know. I, I imagine all the dads who saw um, Ford versus Ferrari would look at Timothy Chalamet and be like, "Oh, he's a pussy." I mean, I'm I'm seriously I have physical anxiety thinking about uh, Timothy Chalamet dressed as Bob Dylan, but uh, it's gonna be cool. All right. Anyway, I digress. I digress. I digress. What we're here to do is to rank the songs on the basement tapes. That's our yes. whole vibe. That's our whole point to doing this episode. Yes. Given given that the album is sort of just kind of like a, a grab bag mix em up that doesn't have a cohesive structure or um, any sort of like artistic um, coherence to it. A, a, a nice little a nice little ranking of uh, all of these grab bag of songs seemed like it was in the spirit, in keeping with the spirit of the recording. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, look, what, I didn't, I did my very best to rank it. I didn't go through it, combing through it a hundred times, but I feel pretty pleased with what, what I ultimately have as my, my ranking. How are we going to do this? Uh, how many tracks are there? 24 tracks. All right. Well, uh. Why don't we? I've got. You want to just do it back? Like, I'll say my number one. We're going worst to best. Well, I thought we would try to, like, um, like collaboratively uh, arrive I at. I hear your. A, your you have, yeah, you can hear the, the washing you have a washer machine. And dry, my girlfriend has the same washer and dryer. Yeah, I think uh, everyone has the same entry level washer dryer in their New York City apartment. Yeah, if I had a washer and dryer, I would get that right. one, I'm sure. The one with like the um, like unfeasibly long song that it plays. It does have a very long uh, jingle that happens to get caught in my <laughs> head quite often. I find myself like humming it beneath my breath. Can you can you hum it, please? Please. Uh, how does it go? That's way too long for a dryer. Well, they really want to make sure that you know that your laundry's done. Honestly, that that song could be better than some of the songs that we're about to talk about. Yeah, you can you could throw throw some random lyrics about a guy on a raft in the river. Yeah. 
I so I've got a uh, I've got a spreadsheet open on my end. So I was thinking we could try to yeah, it's a very high rent operation. Uh, try to collaboratively figure out um, like my my worst track uh, versus your worst track, and then see if we could slot that into the the uh, the Jokerman sanctioned master list where we have a a an official worst track okay official best track well it sounds like you're much better at this type of shit than me so i'll take i'll take the tracking uh as long as you just have your your ranking in front of you i can i can take care of the rest of it okay uh just tell me what to do Well, let's let's figure out what we think the worst song on the record is. Uh, I know my answer. Do you have Do you have yours? Yeah, I do. Let's hear it. Ruben Remus. That's what I had too. Yeah. I thought that you okay, might so, have that. Yes. Uh, uh, per our our text message uh, a little earlier, uh, Ruben Remus definitely. So this is one of uh, I guess it, it makes sense to introduce this idea now or bring it up. This is one of several band tracks on the record, yeah, right? Yeah, which I, I so there are clearly take or leave all of those pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, there there are clearly there are Bob Dylan and the band tracks, which pays, which makes sense given the credit for the record, which is Bob Dylan and the band. And then there are just band tracks that Bob appears to have absolutely nothing to do with yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, and, and for all uh, we that, know, Bob wasn't even in the room. Right, and that were recorded. Some of them in '67 in Big Pink, but some of them uh, up until 1975 when the record actually yeah, came so out. Yeah, so we should actually point out that some of this is kind of this is fuckery on some level. Yes, uh, by the band Canadian opportunists. These are the people who beat up and in, uh, indigenous Indians to to get beaver pelts. These are no good. These are dishonest men. Civil War cosplayers on top of it. Liars and frauds. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is the kind of thing, right, that, like, uh, there were all these great Bob tracks that were lying around, or, you know, all these Bob tracks, some of which were, were great, um, uh, on which the band had played as his backing band. And Bob, as far as, you know, it seems, like, didn't really give a shit. Like, you know, uh, they were bootlegged initially, then in 75, he's like, all right, yeah, let's let's put something out. Um, but he didn't, he wasn't in the studio remastering anything. He didn't re-record anything. There aren't any new original Bob contributions to this record. Um, but the band, you know, they they are always riding on the coattails of Bob, it well, seems. To, and... to that point, the gall to call yourself the band... Do you yeah, think they did yeah. that just because they were Bob Dylan's band? Probably, right? They were the band of the guy. I mean, think about that for a couple of seconds. That makes me, anyway, kind of roll my eyes. Very haughty. Absolutely. But yeah, like, so when when they get the go-ahead to put this record out, Robertson and Helm and company, uh, I guess, just decide, like, Oh, let's let's record some of our own tracks, uh, or toss in some other recordings that we've had at some point over the last eight years, and and really really make our presence felt on this record, on this Bob Dylan record. And to be honest, like I I don't know that it's all eight or however many band tracks there are that are at the very bottom of my list, but I can I can assure you none of them are at the top. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. 
And Ruben Remus is uh, is the worst of the bunch. Comes, it's like the seventeenth or like nineteenth song on the record or something. Like just right in like the middle of the second half, and you're just like, you know, I I don't need another one of these right now. Yeah. So that's the worst track on I'll, the basement. He's not, he's not a doctor. That's the main takeaway. Ruben Remus is not a doctor. That's the lyrics, right? Uh, Ruben Remus ain't no doctor. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Not a doctor. Not a song doctor, anyway. <laughs> um, what's your second worst? So my second worst uh, is another band track. Um, this one's going to be the p- the penultimate track on the record, actually. Uh, Long Distance Operator. Um, I didn't put that one as my least favorite, but again, mine was very cursory. Uh, I put Tears of Rage as my second, uh, least favorite. Wow. Because the song simply does not live up to the title in a way that makes it is offensive to me. This song feels so divorced from the title. It doesn't have anything that I would want a song called Tears of Rage to have that I I feel personally offended. Well, well it certainly doesn't have uh, any sort of like, you know, kind of uh, bite to it um, the way that Idiot Wind does, for instance. Um, no. But it's it is... called the song Tears of Beige. Huh, I see. I see. <laughs> I see. I see what you've done there. Um, it is, as far as I can tell from our uh, uh, great resource bobdylan.com the basement tapes song that bob it's, has played the most throughout his entire survivor. career yeah i'm, I'm aware the that one it he had likes. a second life but i maybe he just realized oh what if i performed this with some sort of uh chutzpah uh which i just don't feel uh happens here that's fair and so i it that's just what i put there well, Tears of Rage on my list is coming in at uh, looks like seventeen, so it might need to might need to go in a few slots higher on the master list. Where does Long Distance Operator come in on yours? Damn, probably way too too late. Um, let's see. Um, it comes right after Please, Mrs. Henry. And right before nothing was delivered, hmm. I was trying to give the band a little bit of uh, a handicap because ultimately this is a Bob and band effort. And if we're going just by what is this record to the public, what's your average Joe on the street going to hear? They think Bob and band equal footing on this album and they're none the wiser that it's actually the band being social climbers. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, I, guess, I guess that's so, fair. So I'm, I was trying to just be like, okay, which songs I, are slightly less boring to me? And uh, I found a uh, long distance operator just kind of, maybe I just thought like it had a good drum fill. I don't know. I didn't think too much about how I was <laughs> placing these, but I, I do feel pretty confident about my faves, uh, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Things will cohere a little bit once we get closer to the top. Where do you um, have? Uh, where do you have Bessie Smith? Well, well, should we just be doing it from in order? 
Uh, well, then everyone knows what the best one is, and then... No, I don't think that it'll get to that. No? Bessie Smith, to me, is uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's like seventh worst. Seventh worst, okay. So, I, I have it as the third worst, or the third, the, 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 the 22nd best song on the record, so only two are worse than it. I, I, the, I respect it. I mean... I, I feel uh, my third worst um, is Tiny Montgomery. Oh, well, that's we're gonna we're gonna have to have a conversation about that. But I was in a bad mood earlier today. That's okay. So I like, I don't know maybe Tiny Montgomery is one that I can um, reappraise. Uh, Clothesline Saga is a is my uh, one two th- fourth fourth one. Okay, so we can we can we can agree on Clothesline Saga. That is also that my fourth. Four, that's also my fourth. <laughs> wow, Clothesline Saga officially Jokerman uh, official worst fourth worst song on Basement Tapes. It's pretty fucking boring. It's uh, <laughs> it's about a Clothesline Saga. I don't really know what else there is to say. I you know I I don't know I don't know that I know what a Clothesline Saga really is. Well, it's a it's a story, uh, an epic poem about a clothesline. <laughs> um, I mean, basically, all the Bob tracks on this more or less feel like blonde on blonde songs. Like, if you gave them a lobotomy, like <laughs> these are just like songs that make you wonder uh, about the extent of the motorcycle crash. <laughs> <laughs> These, I'm looking at the lyrics on on the screen now, and they really are just like uh, here reading them when they aren't being put to song. Uh, the next day, everybody got up, seeing if the clothes were dry. The dogs were barking. <laughs> a neighbor it's, passed. Mama, of course, she said hi. Have you heard the? <laughs> it's literally a song about clothes drying. I mean, respect, <laughs> I respect that, and maybe I should have put it higher just because it's honestly, a pretty good troll. That's pretty cool. And I don't know that this was a troll so much as a... Um, what what kind of song do you want to sing when you're like in a room with a great vibe and there there is a dog on the floor and the whole house is painted pink and you've all just had a few drinks and are just chilling? Like, you don't want to uh, break open your, your heart, you know, pour your guts out. You want to do... Uh, a song that is about nothing. Uh, yeah, about, just hanging, just hanging, hanging with the boys and vibing and talking about drying clothes. Yeah. So actually, I I feel kind of bad about putting it so low, but it is a not a very good song. Sorry. Something's got to be down here towards the bottom. So uh, so I think collectively, since Clothesline Saga was so low for both of us, that's actually going to make it the second worst track on the record, coming in at 23, above Ruben Remus. <laughs> what about uh, number five? What do you have as fifth worst? Uh, uh, we're up to Yazoo Street Scandal for me. Okay, that's not so far off for me, which I think is my eighth worst. Okay. Uh, I've got Crash on the Levee, which I just find to be a slog and a bore. Crash on the Levee is the next one for me. So let's go Crash on the Levee here for, for 22. Um, okay. This is another Bob song. Um, uh, so, you know, the band isn't completely all all down there at the bottom. But um, 
Yeah, you know, uh, I, I can't say that Crash on the Levee is really doing doing a whole lot for me. Although, here I am looking at old BobDylan.com. This has been played 176 times live. Are you so this is this This is this is probably the one. double that this, idiot win. This, this is probably the play. one that, uh, that Bob likes the best from this record. I mean, he wrote it in his sleep. So, I mean, maybe it's just really connected to his uh, his innermost psyche. This is a song that uh, Bob Dylan actually recorded while he was uh, in deep REM sleep. Um, yeah, uh, he he's such a talented songwriter that he could do it literally uh, with his with his eyes shut, falling yes, asleep. I, well, he could do a song like this. Yeah, you know, he could do one that's not very good. <laughs> uh, uh, pretty bad. Also yeah. included on Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits Volume Two. Got to say, not not one of the greatest hits. What is it with this song? Crash on the levee. Crash on the levee, mama. Water's gonna overflow. Swamp's gonna rise. No boat's gonna row. I guess Bob just <laughs> felt personally that, oh, I pulled off like a bluesman feeling on this one. And I can't argue with that. It absolutely has lyrics about a levee breaking and mama. It's got all of the all of the touchstones, right? We've, we're we're on the river. We've we've got the levee. There's mama. Uh, there's a train. Um, <laughs> all all at once, yeah. It's it's like um it's like a Mad Libs or create a character version of like a Roots Americana song. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it it does the job, and so. It is yes, it does the job of being a song uh, with lyrics that you can listen to. So it is successful well, in that what, regard. What's but... your next uh, worst? Because uh, mine is "Don't Tell Henry." Uh, "Don't Tell Henry." I've actually got. Um, I think I've got that a little higher. Um, uh, mine is next. What's next? "Going to Acapulco" is next for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that that song is one that really feels like uh, like a blonde on blonde cut, like with cut with ketamine. It's just very, uh, and and now maybe I feel bad having it ranked so low because there are. Some... I've got it pretty high, actually. Yeah, there are some ones, some some other kind of stinkers coming up here. Um, but uh, when when I was just going through this initially, it occurs earlier on in the record and. Uh, just kind of a boring kind of snoozer uh track to me um i do i do like the southwestern flair bob's going down to to acapulco uh, well this would be a good time to mention the uh, something we haven't mentioned before which is actually the song vomit express which bob dylan recorded with alan ginsburg mm. um and uh what what year was that probably in 1970 shit i don't i don't remember when that was recorded but uh, the, that song features prominently I'm Going Down to Puerto Rico. It's mm. sung by Alan Ginsberg. And uh, it was just something that Alan had got Bob to play some guitar on, probably kind of uh, noncommittally. But I love that track. Um, and it's just something we haven't talked about uh, before is the little handful of tracks that Bob did with Alan. Okay. One, two, three. I'm going down to Puerto Rico. I'm going down on the midnight plane. 
I'm going down on the Vomit Express. I'm going down with my suitcase pain. You can take an ancient vacation. File the Florida's deep blue end. Rise up out of this madhouse nation. I'm going down with my oldest tender friend. I'm going down to Puerto Rico. Maybe we could do an episode on Allen Ginsberg's musical oeuvre. Sure. According to DylanCords.info, uh, Vomit Express recorded November 17th, 1971. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Thank you, DylanCords.info. And uh, thank you, Allen Ginsberg, great poet. Yes, Howl by Allen Ginsberg. That's right. Very good poem. <laughs> but back to the matter at hand uh where were we Ian? well we were at uh we we've we've only got three songs so far on our master list uh reuben remus clothesline saga and crash on the levee um next uh you know i'm 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 just gonna take some creative liberties here and uh maybe fill in a couple of the ones that we've talked about just so we can keep ourselves moving along here Uh, you know, Bessie Smith, I'm going to say that's the 21st best song on this record, because uh, sure, that was relatively bad. low for you. And then we'll, yeah. and then we'll do Tears of Rage uh, at 20, which, right. uh, which was at 17 for me. But if it was at 23, 22 for you, let's call it 20. What about Yazoo, uh, Yazoo Street Hassle? Yeah, Yazoo Street, yeah, Street Hassle. <laughs> so, uh, this is where this is where Lou got the title of uh, of the record for. Um, he's a big What's fan. What's it actually called? Yazoo Street Scandal. Scandal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was number twenty for me. Uh, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's just it's whatever. It's not like bad. I wouldn't be mad at it if it if a band got up and played this, but. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it's another band track that's just kind of like, you know, uh, trying to trying to ramble tamble too much, and it doesn't really do what uh, what it should. All right, here's here's one that I feel should be in the conversation while we're still uh, talking worst uh, hmm. is uh, "Ain't No More Kane." That that was very next on my list. Glad <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <You know? laughs> that we we agree that this song is God. I mean, just like this, the lyrics are just a, literally just about that there is no more cane sugar. It has been churned into the byproduct of cane sugar, molasses. Molasses, yes. Uh, also got a nice appearance of um, uh, of the river once again. You should have been on the river in 1910. They were driving the women just like they drove the men. So we have, yes, we have... It is a song about slavery, which is, you know, a tragedy, an important issue to, to contemplate. But it's not a very exciting song. Interestingly, uh, it is the single traditional song that's recorded on the record. The single one, at least that's credited, is not having been written by Bob or a member of the band. Wow, so it must be very traditional because, as we know, Bob really likes to uh, credit even the most traditional of songs to himself, to himself. <laughs> for uh, being just a, a natural traditional man. Yeah. Which, uh, who can argue? Um, okay, so Ain't No More Kane uh, going in at number 18. Um, 
Now we're getting now we're getting somewhere. Um, what do you what do you have next? Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, Katie's been gone. Katie's been gone. I actually had. I, I think that might be the highest ranking band song that I had. Why? What? What's? What is it about Katie's been gone that you're not a fan of? Although, look, I, I actually listened to it. Uh, I listened to it right before this, and I thought it had some nice little drums. Uh, so let's reverse that situation. Um, I'm gonna put Katie's been gone a little higher. I'm gonna put wheels on fire before Katie's been gone because again a song which has way too interesting a title to be as dull as it is it is sort of uh, a disappointment especially coming at the very end of the record uh you know you're you're kind of psyched and amped to have a big send-off and then it's you know sort of just peters out on you but i had that i had that a little higher also I, i'm gonna put for for my Money, I'll say Wheels on Fire is worse than Katie's Been Gone. Um, okay, but, that's fair. Uh, I, I had them both back-to-back with one another. Yeah, but pretty much back-to-back. I don't think that they're that much different in terms of how much I enjoyed them. Next uh, one. What do you uh, got next? Well, I've still got Long Distance Operator and Going to Acapulco hanging out down towards the bottom of my list. Okay. Um, and then after that, we're moving into Don't You Tell Henry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scotty doesn't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, this was the inspiration. Uh, so you've got Don't Tell Henry, and then you've got Please, Mrs. Henry. Yeah, Henry, definitely uh, a name that was uh, floating around um, in the air. Interestingly. Not a, not a very popular name today. No, no, not not particularly popular. Uh, but interestingly, don't you tell Henry? Sounds like it's it's a Henry, you know, a first name Henry, right? Like you, you know, Henry something. Right. Uh, we don't want to tell him. Uh, but then, please, Mrs. Henry, Henry. That's a, that's a surname there. So does so, this imply the existence of a Henry Henry? There could well there could well be a Henry Henry uh, who should not be told something, as in don't you tell Henry. Um, but don't, is don't also the spouse him. of Mrs. Henry, <laughs> right. who we are asking, please. Um, yeah. Or the son of could Mrs. Be the son. Henry. Yeah. You, you don't tell him that his name is um, going to be looked askance at by by every bartender in the world. Um, let's go with don't you tell Henry. All right. Uh, what's what's next? Um, where, where you got orange juice blues? That's that's coming up. That's uh, that's n- right I've at number. Next. That's right at number twelve for me. Um, it's eleven for me. Okay, so let's uh, let's put orange juice blues here. This is actually only going to make it the sixteenth uh, uh, best song on the record. So we're a little ways behind because we each have some mismatch on our list. I think. Um, yeah, I, actually, I I don't think that i i've sort of switched shit around i think that actually orange juice blues was 11 this wheels on fire was 12 it doesn't matter no (laughs) this Um, is all complete bullshit and then please mrs henry um then long distance operator i think we have a lot in common on our lists i think we yeah it seems like we're moving up towards the as we move towards the higher end you know the higher the higher end songs are are up there for both of us i'm gonna put long distance operator as the next one because that was the second worst song as far as i was concerned okay um so we're we're starting to 
things are looking up actually because we're getting into the songs we like. We're getting into the good stuff, yeah. Um, long distance operator at fifteen. We'll put please, Mrs. Henry, at fourteen. For fifteen, for me, I have nothing was delivered. Um, I think this is the where things start to take an uptick. Yes. Uh, nothing was delivered is, uh, is, is a much higher, uh, higher rank for me. Although I think a, a lot of this is due to my appreciation for that birds record, uh, that I sent you a couple songs from earlier, right. uh, sweetheart of the rodeo, uh, which is uh, great title. Yeah. Excellent title. Amazing cover. Also absolutely beautiful. Um, uh, if, if you're not familiar, I would encourage you to type it into the old Google. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the birds obviously, as we were aware, made a career off of just covering Bob songs basically in their own, their own fashion, their own style. And, uh, they did a couple of the basement tape songs for, uh, for Sweetheart of the Rodeo, which is their sort of Christian rock country Western turn. Um, and the, the birds version I think is amazing. Um, and I, I, I have some residual goodwill towards it on this record. Um, although if I were just evaluating the song on its own, just as Bob did it, you know, maybe, maybe I wouldn't do it quite so high. You're not a fan though? Of, uh, nothing was delivered? Yeah. I mean, it's fine to me. To me, it still ranks among like the, the pantheon of the Bob tracks that have that kind of like lazy anthem quality that I kind of like of my favorites on, on the, the basement tapes. Um, right. I'll say no more till we go on. Sure. Well, I had, uh, I know you had this wheels on fire relatively low or at like 12 or something. And that's at nine for me. Um, her sex, your sex is on fire. Yes. <laughs> hey, this wheel is on fire. <laughs> I think that's yeah. how it goes. Uh, so we'll put that in at 13 and now we're moving into the, uh, we're moving into the top half of the, top half of the album so I, I realize this might have been a little scattershot for some of our listeners i'm sure you're all yeah, paying no, very close attention but uh, this is a good thing to go to sleep to or rather to take sleep medication and <laughs> listen to yes drink uh drink some nyquil and sprite um and uh you know just uh, you know go go to sleep for a while wake up tomorrow if you want maybe don't ever wake up if you don't want it's uh, it's fine uh, but so, so we can just, we can offer a recap so far, uh, Ruben Remus, the absolute worst song on the record, absolute dog shit song. Um, it's stupid. Yeah. then, uh, number 23, we have clothesline saga, um, which I think you and I have both agreed. Uh, maybe we've, we've underranked it a little bit, uh, because it is a song just about drying clothes, but nonetheless, <laughs> not particularly engaging. Um, then we have Crash on the Levee at 22, Bessie Smith 21, Tears of Rage 20, Yazoo Street, Street Scandal 19, Ain't No More Kane 18, Don't You Tell It, some of the titles of these songs. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> almost tempted to put Yazoo Street Scandal at number one of worst just because I hate the title <laughs> so much. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's no good, Yazoo. folks. Yazoo. What is this? An like this inside joke type of thing? Just anyway, go on. Ain't no more can eighteen. Don't you tell Henry seventeen. Orange juice blues sixteen. Long first appearance distance. of juice. First uh, first appearance of the substance juice, mm -hmm. which actually will will feature again as it so happens in this record. Um. 
long distance operator 15 please mrs henry 14 so we've we've dealt with both of our henrys uh and then this wheel's on fire 13 oh <laughs> this wheel is on fire yeah yeah it's what we love so where are we now uh moving into the top half Open, open the, the door, Homer. Open the door, Homer. Uh, I had it fourteen from me, so if uh, if that's if that's sufficiently yeah, low yeah, for yeah, you, yeah. I'd sure. slot that in next. Uh, song about uh, everyone's favorite uh, cartoon father, Homer Simpson. Right. Um, not opening the door for um, Bart. But the whole song just says "Open the door, Richard." Does it just say "Open the door, Richard"? They, do they not mention Homer at all? Uh, you have bobdylan.com up on your browser. I do. I guess I should I should refer to it. I remember um, feeling some weird dissonance because I I remember hearing Richard in my ears. Homer does appear to be mentioned uh, according to the lyrics, although as we know, the lyrics on bobdylan.com aren't necessarily canonical and Richard does not appear to show up on the page at all. Were you Wait. having a minor stroke of some sort? Maybe. <laughs> open the door homer i've said it before open the door homer i've said it before wait but w- 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 let me just check on this really quick richard i did i, I did sound like richard didn't it yes yeah, so no he says richard <laughs> the hell? in this song why does it it says homer on on the website see this is what this <laughs> album they they think that you're in on their little inside jokes this is a this is a classic Bob maneuver. Open the yeah, switching Homer for Richard and titling the song Homer. I'm I'm not insane. He said Richard, <laughs> and also I mean this song, this song sounds like it could have been on uh, on John Wesley Harding. You do hear the John Wesley Harding, uh, sound that classic J W H vibe happening, give, being birthed by the universe here but it has all of that quixotic bullshit that you would expect from such a thing <laughs> to occur where they literally just are lying yeah we don't have uh we don't have too much insight into homer or richard as it were as a character um richard, richard. this one gets to be put pretty far from the top of the list just because it's it's a song by liars <laughs> I, I like that aspect. Um, all right. Well, that one, so so open the door, Homer, or open the door, Richard. Uh, coming in at number 12, uh, what do we what do we got next? I guess, so So next for me, uh, number eight on my list, actually, uh, is Tiny Montgomery, which I know you uh, had quite low on your list. So what, I, I what is know. it? I just, I just found it. Uh, I didn't. I didn't listen that carefully to it. I'm sorry. Well, I, but what do, what do you like about Tiny Montgomery? What am I missing? Well, I th- th- this is sort of the the deeper insight into the Basement Tapes uh, as as an entire record. I think that uh, I've been I've been saving for this moment. Um, I, I think the record is at its best when it is at its dumbest, um, and uh, and I think Tiny Montgomery is one of the dumbest songs on the record. Um, which I find, uh, which I find very charming and, uh, and very, uh, you know, just very appropriate. It's, uh, it's the least pretentious thing you could possibly imagine. Uh, let me, let me, let me quote here. Um, scratch your dad, do that bird, suck that pig and bring it on home. P 
pick that drip and bake that dough, tell them all that Tiny says hello. <laughs> I, I, I rescind my opinion. This is a master word by the bard. <laughs> now grease that pig and sing that praise. Go on out and gas that dog. Trick on in. Honk that stink. Take it on down and watch it grow. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is, what was I thinking? I must have just turned this off because I was just bored of listening to the band. But, um, yeah, this sounds like uh, that video of, uh, that famous video of Bob uh, re recombining the words on the side of that building. I'm looking for somebody to sell my dog, collect my clip, buy my animal, and straighten out my bird. I'm looking for a place to go to animal my soul, knit my return, bathe my foot, and collect my dog. Commission me to sell my animal to the bird to clip and buy my bath and return me back to the cigarette. Mm. Bird might buy and sell me to the cigarette. You know that? You know that video? Yes. Great video, and a, a video which shows Bob in the process of writing this song. This, it does. It does. It 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 has the sense of a song where they just sat down to record a track and Bob just kind of. You know, he he was looking at a book uh, with one of his kids. You know, it's kind of like a farm animals book. Like you know, cow cow says moo, pig says oink, uh, and uh, and and then he goes down to the basement to record the track, and he's just got farm animals on the brain, and so you know, he just rattles off uh, three word lines about a, a variety of different animals from beginning to end, and then we've got Tony Montgomery from Frisco saying hello. It's not something that Bob is going to hang up uh, anytime soon. I mean, later on in his career, this is the man who writes Wiggle, Wiggle, Wiggle. This is a, <laughs> this is someone who's committed to the silly, uh, some part of his soul. So, yes, I can I, I see it, and I will. Uh, I agree that Tiny Montgomery should be closer to the top of the list. All right, so Tiny Montgomery is there at 11. Um have we, uh, what about, uh, so I've still got hanging on down towards the bottom of my list. I've got going to Acapulco, uh, Katie's been gone, and too much of nothing, actually. So when you say bottom, do you mean the top? Uh, I mean uh, worse songs, uh, the worst of which is uh, going to Acapulco, which I've got at 18. You know, I've got, I've got it number 19 in terms of that being the... Uh, <laughs> one of nineteenth best, or like the the, the rather the, the yeah opposite. there are there are eighteen there are eighteen songs better than going to Acapulco is what you're saying. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I just wrote that it sounds like uh yeah it sounds like a '65 Dylan, but like with brain damage. It, it's uh it's fine. I right. I don't know. I found it inoffensive. But um, a song that I think is better than that is uh, is that is this appropriate for me to say that now? That sure. I I think "Lo and Behold" and uh, "You Ain't Going Nowhere" are better than that. Um, I agree that both of those songs are are better than that, but those are going to be some ways up on my list. So we might need to table discussion uh, until we get a little higher to number one. I, look, I have no idea how you're doing this. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't I'm, really I'm, either. I'm pretty confused. <laughs> but um, wh- why don't we just talk about what our wh- which ones haven't we talked about? I mean, how do we? Let's just get down to the important shit. Uh, yeah, heavy and a bottle of bread. You see what I'm saying now? 
All right, this isn't helping me at all. I can't read a spreadsheet. <laughs> this is the last. This is the last time we ever involve a spreadsheet in this podcast. Lo and behold, I think is the ninth. Let's put the F and ninth best. Do you have that? You have that lower on your list. Yeah, it, for me, it's uh, number seventeen. Oh wow. Okay. All right. So number nine is because I had that at number four on my side. Why don't uh, Why don't you dig Lo and Behold? No, I do like Lo and Behold. See, I'm going from worst to best. So I see. Number one is Ruben Remus. <laughs> Got it. Okay. I <laughs> I think we had a, a misnumbering mishap between you and I. All right. Obviously, my favorite song is Apple Suckling Tree. <laughs> no, it's not. But um, yeah, yeah. I think Lo and Behold is good. It's uh, exact. It's like what I think of when I think of the Basement Tapes. I just think, yeah, we got songs like Lo and Behold, where he's going, Lo and Behold, Lo and Behold. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. This is uh, this is a uh, a good. Uh, I guess you can't really call it like a hard rocker necessarily, but as <laughs> no, far it's... as as far as the Basement Tape songs go, this is a a harder rocker, uh, perhaps. Uh, it's but, too goofy to to be hard rocking in any sort of way. Right. Well, that's that's kind of the thing that I was saying a minute ago. Right. It's like it. Uh, the record is at its best when it's at its dumbest, and uh, it's just. I, I can't for the life of me understand really what um what what the purpose of this song or like what what message is trying to be related here but uh I appreciate the reference to Moby Dick uh in the middle of the song and uh yeah lo and behold lo and behold it's a great what, it's a great what, riff what, what reference is that uh let's see what does it say uh, I came into Pittsburgh at 6.30 flat. I found myself a vacant seat, and I put down my hat. What's the matter, Molly, dear? What's the matter with your mound? What's it to you, Moby Dick? This is Chicken Town. <laughs> ah, and, and a reference to uh, Chicken Town. Yes. Chicken Town. Everyone's um, favorite part of town, Chicken Town. You know that song? Uh, is, that a, is that a song? Uh, evidently Chicken Town. It's by John Cooper Clark. It's a feature in The Sopranos and my favorite musical moment of The Sopranos, actually. Oh, in what uh, what episode? Spoiler alert. The the episode close to the end of the series where you see um, Christopher and and Tony they're they're hugging as they uh, baptize Christopher's child, mm, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, Phil Leotardo goes like, "No more of this." Yeah, that's that's, that's like at the very end of that episode. Yeah. Yeah. The best, flat out best music moment of the show. The bloody scene is bloody sad. The bloody music bloody bad. The bloody weed is bloody turf. The bloody speed is bloody surf. Bloody folks are bloody daft. Don't make me bloody laugh. Bloody hurt to look around. Everywhere in chicken town. Bloody train is bloody late. You're bloody way, you're bloody way. Bloody lost and bloody found. Stuck in fucking chicken town. Well, um, I gotta, I gotta give that a rewatch. Oh, it's so good. But, um... Anyway, let's let's just kill this list. Uh, what, what do you got next? Uh, well, I've got uh, I've I've got as you can see here too much of nothing, and Katie's been gone towards the bottom of mine still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Apple Suckling Tree uh, would be the next one at number seven for me. Let's let's just freestyle this because if anyone's listening to this, Jesus God, it's <laughs> like in, interminable. Um, what what just. Do what you feel, and I think I'm gonna probably agree. That's We've fair. Got All right. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. 
Well, so, so Katie's Been Gone is the last remaining band com- track. Comfortable to put it number eight. Number eight. Uh, we don't need any band tracks too high up. Um, too Much of Nothing. I think it's actually a decent song. I might have had it ranked a little too low on my end. Yeah, but number seven seems fair. Number seven seems fair. All right. So now then, we're getting down yeah, to have, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, Heavy and a Bottle of Bread. Uh, I love the title, but it's I don't love the song that much. So number six. That's fair. Yay, Heavy and a Bottle of Bread. What what do we think, by the way, bottle that actually bread. means? It's just some pirate bullshit. <laughs> That's my... I don't think that it uh, references anything. I'd be wrong. <laughs> a bottle of bread? I mean, it's a funny image. Bottle of bread, I mean, you know, beer, I guess. Beer. is like You could be talking about a malt liquor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some, good, some good lyrics on this one. Uh, slap that drummer with a pie that smells. Is this um, the one where he says something about having a nose full of pus? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, gross lyric. Uh, on the very next day with a nose full of pus. Yay, heavy in a bottle of bread. Okay. Uh, uh, you ain't going nowhere. I, I, I think it deserves a number five. That's, that's my... But I, I think it's up there even with Nothing Was Delivered or Apple Suckling Tree. All right. Time. So this is kind of a toss-up. I'm going to say I'm going to say apple suckling tree cuz that's the lowest remaining one for me. Um, um, if if you must, but I I do think apple suckling tree is kind of like a great song for some reason. <laughs> I can't I can't describe why I like it. You just like hearing songs about apple trees? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, interestingly, uh, uh apple suckling tree does contain some lyrical references to Sadie, who we've met in the past, my little Sadie. From self-portrait. Well, that's a song that is actually way more traditional than Bob would seem to let on. Like that song exists in so many forms. The the one about shooting little Sadie down. That's like that's old old Americana songwriting. Um, so I'm not surprised that she exists in a song that is as old as the the apple tree itself. <laughs> um, this is this is a woman. This is a, you're you're Sadie's so old that she dated Johnny Appleseed. Like uh, like your mama. That's right. All right, I get that. Uh, all right, number four, we can do nothing was delivered. We've talked about this. Uh, yeah, it could have been the self-titled uh, song from this record. <laughs> could have. Um, which brings us to the final three here, uh, which I think once again sort of uh, uh, reinforces my, my central point or my central insight here, which is that the, best when dumbest. the, the record is best when it's, when it's at its absolute dumbest. Um, I have to say that it, the answer is pretty clear to me. I think I, that, I, think I know which one is going to be number one for you. You know um, which one's number one for me, but I, I, for number, we've got three, two, one staring us right in the face. I think it's, to for my money, we have... Uh, you ain't going nowhere. Odds and ends and million dollar bash in that order. I'm but, gonna I'm gonna do credit to both of us uh, where we have our our favorites each and put odds and ends at number three, which is okay. The first track on the record, right? But sure. it's it's a good way to good way to start the thing off. Yeah, and, it's what and, I think of when I think of this record in, right. in some sense. And it is a record literally of odds and ends. It yeah. uh, it sort of sets out the uh, sets out the the project or the purpose of what we're about to listen to right from the very beginning yeah 
And then um, uh, I, I will regret to do this, but I know you had it significantly lower than I had it on my list. So I'm going to take my favorite song, You Ain't Going Nowhere, and put that at number two. Yeah. Uh, which I think is one of the uh, one. I of mean, the, number two is still very good. That's it is up. pretty. It is pretty high up there. But I think um, we got if if we're going with your thesis anyway that Million Dollar Bash uh, that that the stupidest songs are the best on yes. this album. I think Million Dollar Bash is takes the cake by being one of the dumbest and gloriously dumbest best songs uh, we have here. It's um. I just love that it's like the billion dollar movie. It's 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 it's, uh, it's just such a silly, stupid song that has such a a, a good vibe. I enjoy it a lot. It does have a great vibe, yeah, and it is uh, another defiantly dumb track as far as uh, as far as these go. Um, everybody went down to that million dollar bash. Ooh, baby, ooey, ooh, yeah. baby, ooh, ooh baby. ooey. It's that million dollar bash. What do we what do we imagine a million dollar bash actually is? Well, I imagine that you have one million bottles of champagne. A pot, just a a a, a punch bowl of uh, one million dollar bills. However much a million dollars of bottles of champagne will buy, <laughs> and that's it. It's just a big empty ballroom. You've got that squared away, mm-hmm. and then just bottles of champagne. I'm just looking at these, reading these lyrics off a screen makes me smile and laugh. Well, I looked at my watch, I looked at my wrist, punched myself in the face with my yeah, fist. Yeah, no, that's I a great t- <laughs> I took my potatoes down to be mashed, then I made it over to that million dollar bag. No, that, that's the best, that's the best, that's great, uh, that's great stuff. I mean, this is the musical equivalent of like watching a Marx Brothers movie. It's slapstick music, it's it's wonderful i see that yeah uh which makes it uh makes it funny that this was such a highly kind of touted um record upon its initial release i i i don't know that the emotional depths plumbed on million dollar bash stand up to idiot wind or simple test of fate necessarily um but uh it is it is fun to see this other side of bob uh another side of bob dylan as it were um uh from a very different record uh, in uh, in the same year as Blood on the Tracks. Yeah. It's really wild to think about this coming out right hot on the heels of Blood on the Tracks. Um, maybe Bob just thought, whew, got a little too too emotional, got to reel it back with some, with some billion-dollar mashed potatoes. <laughs> It's that million dollar bash. Uh, well, I guess that uh, that does it uh, with our terrible uh, uh, gimmick for uh, ranking the basement tape songs. All you got to yeah, know, no. Ruben, Ruben Remus, the worst. Uh, Clothesline Saga, we ranked it low. It's actually much better than it's that. In, it's um, actually right in the middle. Yeah, uh, maybe even towards the top. Yeah. Uh, and then million dollar bash uh, is, is uh, if you're only going to listen to one, make it the million dollar bash. Yeah, it's the most expensive song for a reason. That's <laughs> true. What, uh, what, overall, what, uh, how many stars? Out of three? Uh, is there any other number? One star. <laughs> <laughs>